Our Father, we thank you for uh, another year in the life of King's Cross Church, and we pray that you would help us as we reflect on your faithfulness, as we've just read, your faithfulness that is um, to all generations, that we would remember your faithfulness in 2022, and that your Spirit would help speak and remind and recall us of uh, your goodness to us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we believe um, in the power of the preached word. And so every week we um, come and, and, and we hear the word preached. We hear the word exposited, it, it explained and taught. And there's great power in that. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It goes out and it, it, it does a work on us. And so since we've begun, we've, we've looked at, we've done things pretty in a straightforward fashion. We've looked at books of the Bible. We started looking at the book of Ephesians, and then we moved into Genesis, did the first 11 chapters. We went to John's gospel, back to Genesis, completed the book of Genesis. We're in the gospel of John currently. We'll be there through the spring. Um, And that's pretty much what we do every week, except for one Sunday a year, which is this Sunday today, which is when we reflect on the previous year. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Remember God's faithfulness to us this past year. Bill McClay, uh, former professor at, at um, OU, uh, wrote, a, I think, a really insightful article last year about memory, the role that memory plays. Think about it. Think about the role that memory plays in your family, for example. You probably spent time with extended family at some point in the last few weeks. Think about the role that memory plays, the stories that are shared, the sayings that you have, the lore, the movie quotes that you share, the inside jokes that you have, right? Or among, among a group of friends, longtime friends, there's all sorts of little shared memories that we have, and it's like glue for the relationship. It's the memory is a key for the formation of a community, isn't it? The the formation of of strong relational ties. Think about the devastation of Alzheimer's. When our memory goes away, relationships break down. They they break apart. And Bill McClay says this. He says, what memory is for individuals, history is for civilization. And without the reference points provided by a broadly shared historical consciousness, we soon forget who we are and we perish. Now, he's, he's talking in terms of our country, our nation, America. He thinks that we've kind of forgotten who we are. We don't have a shared history. And so we're divided, and it, that's, a, that's a big problem for a community. Um, but the point applies that we as a church community, a local church congregation, it's important that we develop a shared memory of how God has worked in this congregation so that's the purpose of this annual time. And there's going to be, there's going to be um, some stories that you remember uh, or things that are very familiar to you. You know, it's like when you're with family and grandpa starts sharing a story and you're like, every one of you can finish every sentence of the story. <laughs> and that's a good thing, right? Because it's, it's, it's becoming ingrained. Um, and you're going to be able to finish some of the sentences of the stories that I share today. But I think it's still worth, worth it because some of you are new. And it's important still that we remember these, these stories. So, way back in the summer of 2019, there was a little core group that wanted to be a part of this thing called King's Cross Church. And I would send emails on a weekly basis. And one of the emails I sent 
said that there are a couple of ways to plant a church, just like there's a couple of ways to, plant, to build a fire. Um, you, could, you could get a big fat log and pour lighter fluid on the log and just light a match and throw it down and up the flames soar to the skies. Or you can get little sticks, little kindling, build, put a little base, smaller, bigger logs, uh, not quite logs, but bigger sticks, logs, create a, a nice fire that has lots of space for oxygen, light the match, let it start, to, and it slowly builds and builds and builds. And when the, the lighter fluid fire goes out, this one is a strong fire. It's the slow approach. And this church plant began with a slow approach. And so we're going to review some of the history of that right now. But, but I want to just quickly uh, share a little bit of personal biography. When I was in high school, I sensed God calling me to ministry. And so that informed the decision to go to OBU to, to study there and uh, complete a decree. Many, many of you, there were a number of you that were students with me there, including Sarah, who I met there at OBU. Um, and we were there, and then following that, went to seminary in, in the New England area. And then following that, did, um, wanted to do, wanted to do a PhD in theology, but wasn't sure if it would be feasible. It's kind of hard to be a student for like ever. <laughs> you have to kind of get a job at some point. Uh, but maybe I just had a few more years of, of study I could get under the belt before finishing. And so began to investigate that and finally realized that um, we weren't going to be able to get the scholarships necessary for the PhD and had kind of given up on that. Um, I mean, said it's, it's just not in the cards right now. It's not in God's providence. When we, the week that we had made that conclusion, ran into some friends who said, well, we'll provide you with some support. We'll provide you with, I don't know how much, it was, it was a significant amount of support. We were like, well, maybe this is God saying green light. So we moved forward. And then a few months later, as we're applying for the student visa, because we went to England to do this degree program, you had to demonstrate to the United Kingdom that we had the funds in an account to, to cover our costs for a full year. Now, we weren't in a position to have that much money in the bank account, but we had to. And at that time, we found out we were pregnant with our oldest. And so we were like, how, this, how is this going to happen? Is this going to work? And then within a week of that little hurdle coming up, a family member says, we've got um, an account that we would like to just basically gift to you for this program. And so green light, off we go. We live there, our daughter's born there, and then we come back and I continue the program from Oklahoma part-time. And so now, now we're, now we're part-time, Sarah's working, we, we, I'm working, we're doing all this stuff, we're living, actually living with Sarah's parents for a short season, and we're thinking, what, what is it that we can do that would be the perfect setup for life as a full-time, as a part-time student, and then rearing a, a child now, and all these things? And just out of the blue, we said, it would be great to be a resident director at a college. We're like, where does that come from? Well, we thought, okay, we, it would be nice to live in student housing because we've been doing it for like a decade now and it's worked out all right. So you get student housing, get a library, a university library that you can take advantage of. There might even be teaching opportunities for me while I'm doing this PhD. All of these things that just seem great. Seem like there'd be flexibility, free housing. Yep, sign us up. But how are we going to do that? Well, it just so happened we had a, 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 an acquaintance that we knew 
that was an, a resident director at her alma mater. And so we called them. And um, she said, yeah, it's been great, but we're actually leaving the job because my husband's doing eye doctor school. You should apply to Sarah. And so Sarah applied. And one thing led to another, and she gets the job. And then, a week later, the dean of the School of Theology calls me. He says, I think you guys are in Tulsa right now, but we have some adjunct opportunities that we need filled, and we would love for you to... It's not really worth the drive down, but we would love for you to consider that. I said, well, funny thing. We're actually moving to Shawnee in a few weeks. And yes, sign me up. And like everything that we envisioned just like worked out perfectly. It was incredible. Okay, so that happens. We get a, we're a part of Jay Sampson's, uh, the church that Jay Sampson is a pastor of, Heritage Church in Shawnee. Um, I'm do, doing all kinds of cobbling together, different jobs. Sarah's the resident director. We're having more children. And then begin to um, apply for churches. The part, it was a, these were all part-time jobs. Then begin to apply for churches, many, many churches, in, in colleges and seminaries as well. And there is no traction whatsoever. Like all, all, it's kind of the opposite of what we had experienced prior, where things were just like, here. Now it's like, you know, dead end, dead end, dead end, dead end. It's like 2008, the, the economy's not great, so there's not a whole lot of hiring happening in the first place. And so begin to think, well, the kids are reaching school age. I really like this, this kind of, there's a Christian school thing that comes up and think, maybe, maybe I could go do that and apply for that. It feels like a detour. A total detour. It's, it's like not what we had envisioned, but it worked out. And long story short, we go up, we move up to Iowa for three years, and I'm the headmaster at a school there, and we are a part of a, of a, of a church plant that's like five months in, and we become really involved in that church plant. And that church plays an incredibly formative role in our faith, and even in just thinking about church planting. And so after three years, we move back. Um, we, we come back to Oklahoma. I, I work at a Christian school again, this, this, right here, actually. And, um, and then also begin conversations with Doug Servin, the pastor of City Press, about ministry in the PCA. And so January of 2017, begin meeting with him. Now, there's a little backstory here, because I had met with Doug in 2011 in Oklahoma City. He says, we're about to plant City Press. You can come on board, but you would have to raise your own support. Oh, I've been in support raise mode, like no, like for for many years at this point. I'm like, I can't keep doing that. So we didn't do it, but then come back. Now I'm meeting with Doug again, six years later, and we begin. I begin kind of praying about what God might have. Church planting anywhere in the lower 48 would be would be great, but even beyond that, we're open to that. And then begin wondering if, if there might be a possibility to plant a church in Oklahoma, maybe even Oklahoma City. And so begin praying uh, in earnest about this question of church planting. And about two months into this prayer, uh, praying for this, a person comes and says, have you thought about planting a church in Oklahoma City? And then another person, independent of, of that person, says the same thing, asks the same question. And then another, three people in about a two to three week time frame ask the specific question, have you thought about planting a church? So I take that as kind of an external uh, affirmation of this sense that's going in my heart about planting a church. And then alongside that, Doug also expresses interest 
the City Press pastor, in planting a church in north of City Press in Oklahoma City. So all of these things are, are coming together. We meet with Doug and Bobby, the pastors of City Press, and they say, yes, let's do it. We meet with the area PCA pastors, and they say, sounds like a good plan. Let's do it. And so that began a long uh, process. Remember the, the, slow, the slow build of the fire? Long process of um, ordination, uh, church planter assessment. Sarah and I go to Atlanta for this church planter assessment. It's like SEAL training for pastors. Um, we, we, do, we, we do the Southwest Church Planting Network uh, uh, funding. We, we, I go down to Dallas, seek funding, explain what we're doing, and they say, yes, we'll support you. By the way, we're still receiving funds from the uh, Southwest Church Planting Network, um, even, even till this year. So they, they've supported us. And so all of these things begin to, begin to, to, to happen. And, um, and then as we're thinking about church planting and moving toward this, we begin to, it begins to dawn on us that, you know, you got to have certain pieces that there's no way I can fulfill. Like one of the big pieces is a worship director, worship leader. And once I begin praying about this, and within a month of praying about this, I meet with a guy um, who's not at this church, um, but was kind of just interested in what was going on. And he said, uh, I mentioned the worship leader need, and he said, I actually have a brother who is a worship leader in a Baptist church, but he would like to be in a a Presbyterian church, a PCA church. It's like, what? (laughs) What are the chances? So I meet Taylor Bauer, and we get to know Taylor. and, And then, obviously, Taylor's been a huge part of this church plant. Um, we, we move along a little bit further in time, and we're realizing we've got a lot of kids that are like youth age, and we need uh, somebody to help lead the youth. Well, a person that I met through the schoolwork here, Jake Schulte, had expressed interest in being a part of this church plant, and also had extensive youth ministry experience himself. So Jake jumps in right there off at the get-go. So all, God is just supplying all of these things for us. And remember the church plant in Iowa that we were a part of, the detour? They, they, they came in with incredibly generous support to us financially. For, for about two years, they supported us very generously. So all of these things are just like working out. And all of a sudden, what seemed like a little bit of a puzzle, this Iowa thing, which we loved, it was a great time. But it seemed like all of a sudden it makes sense like how all that's factoring into this whole story. Well, um, in 2020, so three years ago this month, we started meeting at Lone Star Baptist Church just across the street and to the, e- to the east. And um, we, we, we met for Bible study on Sunday evenings. Um, and three weeks into those meetings, many of you were here at, uh, at the meetings. Three weeks into those meetings, um, Doug arrived. And originally the plan was to plant King's Cross Church following Labor Day. Uh, so like the fall. Right. And, and, and this is January. And Doug sees the we had like 65, 70 people there. And he was like, you guys just need to get started. Like, you've got the momentum. You've got just like start this spring. And so we thought, well, let's start Easter Sunday. And then we were like, eh, that's a little too. You don't want to mess Easter Sunday up. Let's back it up a couple Sundays, which put, so we circled March 29th, 2020 on the calendar in January. Well, this little microscopic thing spread across the globe called COVID which really put two weeks before we planned on beginning worship, everything shut down. And we're thinking about starting in the midst of that. And we, we hit 
you know, we step back and think, is this, is this timing right? And concluded that it was and that we would push forward. The only problem was we didn't know how to do online church. Um, and then we had folks in our congregation, Tommy Wilkerson, Mike Mantrek, and others step up and help us pivot to an online service. And then, so did that for a couple of months. And then, and then we moved outdoors for the summer of 20. And then we moved to the Capicelli gym for, for much of, um, the fall of 20 and, and parts of, of the spring of 21. And like all of these things just kind of fell into, into place. And as I think back on that first year, I'm so thankful for the flexibility and the graciousness and the patience that this church uh, demonstrated, churches were, sadly, ripped apart over COVID, over masking or not masking or vaccines or non-vaccines and all of these issues. So politically charged and congregations actually like severed over these issues. Mass exoduses. And you all we're so gracious, so patient. I know there was a difference of opinions on how to be handling all of these pivots, but nobody complained, nobody griped, everybody were, you were all troopers. And we just marched along through that whole season so graciously. And not just that, COVID literally like beat churches up and pastors up. In-person church attendance dropped 30 to 50% over the course of the pandemic. It's estimated that 20% of churches that existed before the pandemic won't exist now. Now, the, the, the picture's getting a little brighter now that we've gotten out of this pandemic thing. Things look a little better than that, but still devastating for churches. 38% of pastors have contemplated or are contemplating leaving the ministry that's like almost half of, of ministers. That's an enormous amount of, of pastors. And, and just based on my own experience and my own sense of things, meeting with a lot of pastors, that sounds about right, that number. And yet, over the course of 20, over the course of 21, we've grown as a congregation. 65 new members. That's like 100% growth in 2021. We doubled in 2021. We had, in, in, going back to 2020, we had nine baptisms, um, six by profession of faith, so six new Christians baptized, and then three covenant baptisms, three baby baptisms that we did in 20. In, in 2021, 13 baptisms, seven by profession of faith, six infant baptisms. In 2022, we grew by 46 members. And that, that's a huge percentage of this congregation, percentage growth. And, and we also baptized 11 in, in this past year, six by profession, six new Christians were baptized and five were baptized um, as, as, as children, as babies. We also, big milestone, were particularized. Funny word, serious thing. Um, it's like the Schlotzkys, you know, funny name, serious sandwich. Um, <laughs> particularized, and, and, which, which is to say we went from being a, a mission church of City Presbyterian to becoming our own 
congregation, church congregation with our own uh, session, our own set of elders, Mike Dodson, Tony Capicelli, Chris Hoyle, Jeff Hannum, Clay Collum. Community builders went well this past year and have been a major source of growth and encouragement. One of the things we did um, as in our community builder groups is we read A Praying Life, which has always been an encouraging book to me. I've read it a number of times, and every time I read it, I, am, I, I pray more as a result of reading it. I, 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 it sort of rejuvenates my prayer life. And so every year, really since high school, I've kind of kept journals that I pray in. Now there's, been, there's like a decade where it dropped off and didn't happen at all, and then there were some spotty years for sure. But in the last three to five years, it's been very regular that, that I've prayed in these journals. And th- these are the two from this year, from this past year, 2022, right here, contained in these two journals. This one's still going. And what I did this past week is I went through all of these prayers. And by the way, this sounds super, like, this kind of, I feel like I'm trying to, like, sort of look at my, flexing my spiritual muscles up here. Look, just, to, just so you know, the reason I do this is because I have trouble believing in God and his goodness towards me. It's, a, it's kind of a, it's an ongoing struggle for me. And so the reason, it's, it's really doubt in my own heart about God's care and his provision that incites me to write these prayers out so I can look back on them. And then I see God's faithfulness to his promise. I see what is otherwise invisible. God's faithfulness to his promises. But what I haven't done until this year is I went through these and highlighted every time a prayer, I saw a prayer answered, and I came up with this list. It's, it, these are just bullet point answers, right? There, here's page one, page two, personal is page one and one and a half, you know, 1.5, and then it gets into the answered church prayers here and here. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight, I don't have time to go through all of these because, I mean, these are like bullet points. They would, I could do a whole lesson on like maybe one or two of these. But what I'm gonna do is just highlight some of the ways in which God has answered prayer in our congregation this past year. So we prayed about this time last year, actually, for folks, specific folks to join the church that were interested, investigating. And guess what? You're here now. You've, been, you've, you've joined in this past year, and praise God, God answered those prayers. We prayed for involvement on committees and, and, and folks to step up and serve in various ways, and God answered those prayers. I'll give you one example. Uh, Katie Collum was the nursery director last year and wrapped that up in the summer, and we had posted for, uh, I think, about a month at least, that we needed that vacancy to be filled in August. And after some time, after about a month, I reached, I talked to Katie and I said, have you heard from anybody on whether that's going to get filled? And um, she said, no. And, and I thought, we, we thought to ourselves, well, maybe we should, we should probably start praying for, for that. Because we had not, we just had not prayed for it to be filled. And so we began to pray that God would provide someone to, to rise up and fulfill that role, that need. And sure enough, in a couple of weeks' time, Andrea Spivey steps in and fills that need. We've had marriages within this congregation that have been struggling, that have had difficulty, and we've prayed for those marriages. And I have seen in, in the instances in which we've prayed, improvement, growth, lots of growth 
in, in the marriages in which we've prayed for. We have given countless prayers to those, uh, for those that are new to our church to feel welcomed and to feel the warmth of, of Christ's love here in this place. We pray that before we worship every week, generally. We pray that. We pray that on Friday mornings at our weekly prayer meeting, and it's all over these journals here. And one of the things that you guys say to me when you join in the membership interview is, this community is so warm and welcoming. It's a fruit of God answering our prayers. We prayed for, um, a year ago, I prayed, we prayed for more musicians to find their way to King's Cross. We've been committed to, you know, some churches will kind of hire musicians or hire folks to fulfill different roles. And from the very beginning, we said it's the, the church does the work of the church. And so members are those, who, the members are going to serve. And so Taylor and I were talking about just needing, you know, wanting more people so we can have a better rotation and not wear out our volunteers. Because church plants all hands on deck, right? So we want to we have a rotation. And we prayed for musicians a year ago. And guess what? We had a number of musicians join us this past year. Like a noticeable bump in the number of musicians we have at this, at this church to serve on Sunday mornings. We prayed for a youth minister. Jake Schulte, as the job got bigger here at this church because of growing youth, and also as, um, as uh, Jake's job at the school got larger as well, decided it was best to step aside. So we started looking for a youth minister. And God answered that prayer. We hired Nathan Carroll about a year ago, a little less than a year ago. And Nathan has come on, and he's done a fantastic job leading our youth. We prayed for City Press to find their pastor. They had a vacancy for most, for all of, uh, most of 2022. We prayed that City Press would find a pastor. Jason Chu has come on board. He's leading City Press. He's doing a, a fine job. And I consider him a, a, a great partner in the ministry. We prayed for a number of you to find jobs. And many of you have now have either a modified job that works better for you, or you have a new job entirely since last year. And we prayed for those things. We prayed for that specifically. We prayed in March of 2022 for God's help as we would develop a women's ministry because there were a number of ladies in the church that wanted to develop that and began to talk in the spring of, of last year. And we prayed for that. And it's grown and it's developed. There was a women's retreat. There's Bible studies. In fact, many of ladies that are new to King's Cross have really found connection within that ministry. Praise God. We, all over these journals is prayer, our prayers that God's spirit would work through the preaching of his word. And over the course of last year, there were, there were many comments that uh, suggest to me that God's spirit did indeed work through the preaching of the word, as he promises. Praise God. In the spring and summer, we prayed for the youth camp that was to happen in the summer, uh, in July. Um, we prayed Friday morning for that. We, I prayed. It's all over this journal. Um, we The youth sponsors were praying to that end. And I would say that at camp this past year, there was a keen sense that God's Spirit worked in the lives of our students. The last night we were there, there was not a dry eye in the place, and the 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 the, the the consistent thread in all of that was a keen sense of God's love. And that's the very thing we prayed for. Now, there is such a thing 
as kind of an emotional frenzy. And there's also a thing as true revival and a true shaping of the affections. And the shaping, so Jonathan Edwards dealt with this because there was a lot of religious revival happening in the 1740s in the colonies. And so his, his difficulty, his challenge was, how do you distinguish between real revival, a real work of the Spirit, which can manifest itself in tears and crying and weeping, or just an emotional frenzy? And, what, and here's how, one of the ways he, he said this is how you distinguish it. When affections are shaped, the fruit is long-lasting. It, it doesn't go away. There, it's, it's a change. And, and don't, don't look at what, how the person looks a month later. Look at how they look a year later, six months later. And over the course of the fall, um, I heard from so many parents who said, my, my student, that camp really did something to my student. They came back from that changed. Just in December, I talked with two parents. One's here, one's from a different church, but their, their child came to this camp and said, I don't know what happened at that camp, but my, my, my student can't, still can't stop talking about it. This was a few weeks ago. God answered that prayer. The, the Spirit would work on our students at that camp. Now, here's another thing about this youth, the student ministry. The numbers have swelled in the fall from um, 60 to 70 every week at a house, at the Manchurex house. I mean, hosting, and, but now we're, 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 we're too big right, for this home. And so we began to think about location. And again, we reached out to Lone Star Baptist, and that's where our students meet now. God provided. We prayed for a location, and God provided that location for us. In August or September, there was some strain and tension between different folks, two kind of different sets of tension and, and, and difficulty within, within the congregation. And um, on the same weekend, independently, these groups didn't even know this was happening, there were meetings set to reconcile the conflict. Like, that's, that's unusual. It happened on the same weekend. That's the Spirit of God working in our midst, settling conflict. Because what normally happens is we just hold it in, and it festers, and it gets worse, and it creates these divisions. But on the same weekend, two, two different groups were meeting to, to seek reconciliation in relationships. We've prayed for the sick this past year, and many people have been healed of sicknesses, um, some short, some more severe. We've been praying for uh, someone in our congregation that's undergoing cancer treatment, and the treatment is, is going, going well. We've prayed for a person who's been sick for years now. Um, the, the, the remnants of a, of a sickness have been going on for years, and just in the last few months has seen noticeable improvement, drastic improvement. That's an answer to prayer. Shinoa Charles, she said I could share this. Uh, before Theodore came, was born, which was not this past week, but the week before, she emailed me and said this. As you know, Shinoa got very sick before um, delivering Theodore, like very debilitatingly sick. And um, she says, I wanted to let you know formally how thankful Jesse and I for the prayers and support. Both the doctor in our church and my, my own doctor are marveling at the speed of my recovery from these illnesses. I'm totally pain-free, which is so significant as the pain was incredibly debilitating. 
and have been able to have a small respite of recovery before delivery, which was not expected. We totally attribute this to the prayers from individuals in the church and the session and the community as a whole. Just another example. The doctors are marveling. We don't know what, this is weird. This is unusual. We've been praying for Shanoa. And I could go on, even down to little things. Like, um, I, I mentioned this back in the spring, but I was reading this book this past year that I was not understanding and sat down like three, three times to read it. I finally made it to page 43, and it dawned on me, why don't I just pray for understanding? And no, no kidding, within two sentences of going back down to the page, page 43, I read a sentence that makes sense of everything that preceded it. Now, that, you, you could say, well, that, you would have read it anyway. Well, maybe so. But you, you, you pile up experience like experience like that. I'll give you another example. This past week, uh, we, we got our son Henry uh, a cross necklace for Christmas. It was kind of, it was like the surprise. It was kind of the, one of the more, you know, substantial gifts. The big one. Um, and, uh, and so we, he, he wore it to a basketball practice. And, of course, the coach naturally asked all you know, take your jewelry off if you're wearing it. So, so they all, all the kids had, if they had a necklace or watch or whatever, they put it in a corner of the gym. Well, he forgot it and didn't realize it until later that night. And I, I said, oh, first thing in the morning, I'll go find the, um, the necklace. And came up, you know, 10 hours had passed probably, and I could not find it. I went to the person that kind of is head of the gym can you help me find this necklace? Have you seen it? Is there a lost and found? We looked around the whole gym. Could not find it. There were some guys shooting around. Have you guys seen a cross necklace? We, we lost it. I spent much of the day um, trying, reaching out to the, his coach, his team, as well as the, um, the, the other team that was practicing that night, that coach. Can you just ask if anybody may have picked it up by accident? Well, as the day goes on, my hope that we're ever going to find this thing is waning. I think somebody probably just took it. They found it and thought, well, this is a nice necklace. I'll take this. So, but then Henry says, can we go and look there just one more time that evening, the following night? And I said, yeah, let, sure, let's do it. Just kind of, you know, shot in the dark. We'll, we'll, we'll try. Um, and it dawned on me, I should pray that we find this necklace. I haven't done that yet. So I pray. Help us to find this necklace. We come in to the gym. There's somebody sweeping the gym floor, and they say, can we help you? And I said, yeah, we're actually looking for a cross necklace. Um, have you seen that? Yeah, I just swept it up. It's on that table right there. I said, you won't, you won't believe. I've been looking for this all day. I've been trying to find, I've been reaching out to teams. This has been like kind of a little burr in my saddle today. And uh, you, you have, you, finally, we, we decided we would pray that we would find it. And Henry said, I prayed too on the way up. And, 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 and we found it. And thank you. And anyway, I went back to the car and I said, you won't believe this. I finally prayed that we would find this. And Sarah was like, I prayed too on the way up here. Like these kinds of things have happened all year. And they're easy to miss. They're easy to miss if we're not attending to them. So, look, Psalm 100 again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord. Come into his presence. Know that he is God. He made us. We're the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. 
give thanks to him, bless his name. And what's the, what's the grounds for that? Verse 5, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. It's as we reflect on the care, the goodness, the provision of God that our noises get louder, our thanksgiving gets stronger, our praise gets loud. All of these things that Psalm 100 is describing. We become more grateful people as a result, which also helps us fight sin, by the way. Paul says in, especially sexual sin, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, that sexual sin in particular is what he's focusing on, is to be fought with thanksgiving. Isn't that interesting? So it's important that we as a congregation uh, um, chronicle the goodness of of the Lord. And if you want to go back and listen to other examples of God's goodness in previous years, we've got all of these on recorded from previous years. And so every year you can go back and look. If if we're wondering, is God doing anything here? Where is God? Come back to these and, and hear of God's faithfulness to us in the preceding year. Now, there are plenty, there, there's, a, there's a number of things on here that is, where is it, that are not, they have not been answered and or the answer wasn't what we thought it would be or hoped it would be and or it's unclear. So stay tuned on that. Um, we'll keep, keep that going. And then also as we look to this coming year, I believe if we just grow a fraction of, of the growth that we've had in previous years, we will, by the end of the year, need to be in a, a, a larger space than what we are currently in. Um, and that's great news, but it, it's also a, a bit of a puzzle. How, where do we go? And so that's a prayer as far as finding kind of our next step, whether it's on campus here somewhere, somewhere else that's bigger, or perhaps a different spot. Also, more long-term building space is a prayer as we continue this year. We have elders in place, but we also want to... Uh, we need deacons as well. And so we're, we're, we're looking at that in 2023. 20, uh, um, I have been talking to pastors about staffing and, and how, like what staff should look like at, at a church, you know, at this size. And the rule of thumb that I've heard consistently is for every 200 members, you should have, um, I'm sorry, for every, about, about every 100, when you get to 200, you should begin looking for an associate or assistant pastor. And so beginning to think and pray and consider that next hire. Community builder success, which is starting in this coming month. Um, prayers for that. I mean, and I look forward to just seeing how God answers all of these prayers and dilemmas and challenges that we're going to face in 2023. Now, all of this, God's faithfulness to us, is a fruit of the promise that we we read not long ago, actually, in John's gospel, in John 14, where Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this is his promise, this I will do, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's his promise. And that, that promise, as well as all the promises of God, are more certain and secure than the ground I'm standing on right now. And we've seen just a little, a little dose of that. Um, and Lord, hasten the day when we see the full scope of God's faithfulness to his promises. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you thanks for your, 
provision in, in 2022, and we move forward in confidence, praying that you would continue to provide this coming year. Um, help us to be faithful. Help us to see um, things, that, or I'm sorry, maybe to trust in things that we can't easily see or can't easily discern, but we can discern them if we're attuned to it. So we pray for your, your help in that. Um, and we ask that you would help us to be marked by prayer. Uh, we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.